Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Really, really great to be back here again. Uh, I love coming to this church and uh, I look forward to being here again some stage. I just found out today that the government has brought in uh, a new regulation that if you travel o- overseas now and you arrive back in Australia, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. So that means I now am grounded indefinitely. Um, so all this stuff is going on all over the world and I'll be at home and I told my wife, expecting her to go, oh, that's bad news. She was delighted. She just thought it was fantastic. She says, oh, I'm sorry for you, she said, but I'm very happy about that. So my flight home tonight will be one of the last ones for a long time, which is great. Okay, because of time, I'm going to launch right, right, right into the message tonight. And when you first see the title and you hear the first few minutes, you may think, oh, it's a bit heavy. But actually, it's not. It's actually a really encouraging message. But it'll be a probing message, a message that will go right to your heart tonight. And I encourage you, don't just listen to the words that I say, but have a listen to what the Spirit would say through me as well, as my voice changes, I'm hearing different sounds out there. Um, Have a listen to what he is saying to you as well. Because sometimes we bury stuff in our life and we're not conscious of it, and the Spirit has to make us aware of it because he wants to deal with things inside of our life. But I start off by saying this. The, prime, the, 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 the primary motive for how we, we live our Christian life should be to give honor and glory to God. This motive should undergird everything we do, everything we say, everything we are, our relationships, our behavior, our thoughts, our attitudes, our ambitions, and our desires as well. But in this message today, I want to focus on just one of the ways that we do glorify and honor God with our lives. And that is by maintaining an attitude of forgiveness and grace. And this is something that Jesus talked about in what we know as the Lord's Prayer, which contains some of the most sobering words in the whole of Scripture. They relate to an area of forgiving others. And we need to understand these words and the implications of those words for our lives here tonight as well. I'll unpack them soon. But the title of my message is The the Dangers of Unforgiveness. And my text tonight is found there in, in Matthew 6, verse 12. And in a few moments, we'll have a look at the scary words that are found in verses 14 and 15. But I want to start off by grounding this message in human experience. When someone hurts us, and we've all been hurt, we have a choice. We can either choose to forgive that person who has hurt us, or we have default, and we've made a decision to become bitter. And forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a choice. And in fact, it is a daily choice that you may have to make for quite some time. If you're waiting for the feeling to forgive to come, it will never come. Forgiveness is a conscious and intentional act of our will. Our feelings take time to heal after we have made the decision to forgive that person. And forgiveness is a very hard choice to make. It goes against every feeling that we have inside. And it will take courage and it will take willpower. But it is a liberating choice. But I've had people say, but Bruce, if you knew what happened to me, if you knew what my ex-partner had done or said, if you knew how my business associate had ripped me off, if you knew how my father had treated me, then you could never ask me to forgive. You just would not understand. Forgiveness 
however, is not minimizing or trivializing what may have happened to us, whether it was a loss of money, a loss of innocence, a loss of reputation, or a loss of family. Forgiveness is not saying that it didn't matter or that it didn't hurt. No. Forgiveness says it was wrong, and it was very wrong. It mattered. It hurt deeply. But I relinquish my right to hurt you for hurting me. I release you so that I can be free. Therefore, I forgive. And oftentimes, this means forgiving the other person, even if they never say sorry. We choose to forgive them for our sake because we don't want to be tangled up on the inside with turmoil of all of these emotions and resentment. We make a decision to forgive because we don't want to be obsessed by what that person is thinking. We made a choice to to forgive because we don't want to be eaten up by what was said or done. And as we'll soon see, we also have got to make up our mind to forgive because that is a way that pleases God. And if we don't choose to forgive those who have hurt us, then we have made a very serious decision that has major ramifications according to the Word of God. We go through four potential dangers of what happens if we don't, don't forgive others. And I'll give you lots of stories as well. Number one is this. Danger number one is that unforgiveness builds invisible barriers. Un- unforgiveness builds invisible barriers. You know, when, if we harbor an offense and we refuse to forgive another person, there is an immediate chasm between us and that person. The relationship is disrupted. Satan has a beachhead in our life, and God's purposes will be thwarted, stunted in our life. Whether it's in a friendship or a marriage or a family or a workplace or a team or even in church, unforgiveness builds barriers and causes division uh, among us. For example, many years ago when when I was pastoring a large church in Brisbane, there was a family that I knew really well. And I noticed that they sat on one side of the church every Sunday. We had about 1,200 seats there. And there was another family that I also knew quite well who every Sunday sat on the other side of the church. And I could never understand why these couples didn't sit in other parts of the auditorium. Then I found out later that many years before, the two fathers of these families had had an argument over a business decision. And rather than just sit down, talk it through, work it out, and forgive each other, they decided they would not talk to each other. They decided they'd have nothing to do with each other. So every Sunday, they're sitting in church, and the center aisle was like an invisible Berlin wall between those two two families. Every Sunday, they're taking communion in remembrance of what Jesus had done for them. And I couldn't help but think, how sad that people have got these divisions even in, in churches because they will not sit down and have a conversation and talk those, the, the, those issues through. Many years ago also, my wife and I were on holidays in the United Kingdom. Um, my wife is Welsh, and we were back there having a holiday. And we went to the, the Roman historic city of Bath. While, while we were there, we had a look at the gardens. You'll, ha- you'll have a look up here, the, uh, the Royal v- v- Victoria Gardens. And we're on one of those red hop-on, hop-off buses. And when we got on the bus, it told us an amazing story about these gardens here. When they were first opened, they were opened by 
Princess Victoria, who later became Queen Victoria, the second longest reigning monarch in the United Kingdom. And there's a picture up here of what she looked like at the time. And so she, she officially opened the... Uh, Open the garden. And the next day in the newspaper, they said there that she looked very dour. And dour means that you're dressed like you're going to a funeral. You know, she was all in black. Well, Princess Victoria was so offended by what was written in the paper, she said, I will never visit Bath again. Some years later, when she, she became the queen, she was invited to go to Bristol, and the train line goes right through Bath. And as her train was getting close to Bath, she got all of her entourage to shut the windows of the train so that she could not see the people of Bath, and the people of Bath could not see her. And until her dying day, she never went to Bath again, all because she got offended that someone had called her dower. Now, often we can laugh at a story like that, but I would suggest, friends, that sometimes we do exactly the same thing. There are people who hurt us. There are people who offend us. And what we do is we shut our windows. We just pretend that they're not there and we have nothing to do with them. And I want to say, friends, that is not how God wants us to live our lives. That is not living a life that is reflective of the grace of God. May we forgive so that there would be no barriers in our life towards anybody, whether it's within our family or our church, our workplace or school, wherever. May the Holy Spirit search our hearts tonight to ensure that we have not harbored any offense or resentment or bitterness towards anybody. On the screen is, is the scripture, what, 1, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, where the apostle Paul wrote and said, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. I want to ask you tonight, as you stand in the, or sit in the presence of God here, are there any barriers in your heart towards anybody else? A family member, somebody here, are you completely open and free before the Lord? Number two, a second danger if we do not forgive others is this, is that unforgiveness produces bitterness. Unforgiveness produces bitterness. Some, uh, so somebody has humorously said that bitterness is like drinking a bottle of poison and waiting for the other person to get sick. But the reality is, the only person that we are hurting, if we do not, do, do not forgive another person, is ourself. Bitterness is like poison, in that it poisons our thinking, it poisons our emotions, it poisons our relationships. In contrast, forgiving others is like a disinfectant, a decontaminant from the internal poisons produced by unforgiveness. Forgiveness is the only way that we can be free from bitterness inside of our life. If we don't deal with bitterness, it can have a disastrous effect. Let me tell you a Bible story. David, uh, King David had a very handsome son called Absalom who carried bitterness for two years until it had devastating results. What happened? Well, Absalom had a sister called Tamar, who the Bible describes as beautiful. And Absalom's half-brother Ammon fell in love with her, and he lusted 
after her. In fact, the Bible says he became so obsessed with her, he became ill. And along with a crafty cousin, Ammon connived a devious plan to lure Tamar into his room. And when he had her alone in his room, he raped her. And after he'd finished, Ammon's love and lust turned into a loathing hate. And so he had his servant throw Tamar out of the room. And the trauma and the shame and the disgrace was so severe that it says there that she lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. And when Absalom heard what Ammon had done to his sister, he comforted Tamar, but he never spoke a word to his rapist half-brother because it says in chapter 13, verse number 22, he hated Ammon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. And he internalized those feelings for two years until he too conceived a sinister plan. And he deceptively asked King David for permission to bring all of his brothers to his home. And he specifically named Ammon so that he could have a celebration. But at the feast, he had organized for, for a few of his men to kill Ammon at his signal, which they did. And when the murder was reported to David, it was said in, in chapter 13, 1 Samuel, uh, verse number 32, Absalom had been plotting this ever since Ammon raped his sister Tamar. And that's what happens if we don't deal with stuff. It begins to poison our system, and it can have disastrous effects. And I've often found that bitter people are angry people. Bitter people are are critical people. Bitter people are judgmental people. Bitter people are divisive people. Bitter people are irritable people. But the Bible tells us very clearly in Ephesians 4, verse number 31, it tells us to, to get rid of, uh, it's not even there, it tells us to get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every, every form of malice. Earlier in, in that chapter, the Apostle Paul had been writing about, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. He said, and this is why, because if you go to bed and you haven't dealt with that thing, you are giving the devil a foothold. In other words, we are giving Satan an opportunity to influence our lives in a destructive way if we don't deal with things biblically and and quickly, if we don't deal with things in a way that pleases the Lord. And around about that same, same, same part of Scripture as well, it says, And do not grieve the Spirit who has been given to you as the, see the, 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 the seal of redemption. And it speaks there about grieving the Spirit is a word that means cutting, cutting him to the heart. And if you look at the context there, which is all about relationships among Christians, the implication is that the number one thing that causes the Holy Spirit pain is broken relationships among Christians. The number one thing that grieves the Lord is broken relationships among, among Christians. So my encouragement to you today is, may we ensure that we don't have bitterness in our hearts because whether we, 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 we acknowledge it or recognize it or not, it will corrosively affect our lives and it is damaging us. I want to urge you in the name of Jesus not to have unforgiveness in your heart because it's poisoning you. Number three, un unforgiveness preoccupies our thoughts and memories. 
A third danger of not, not forgiving others is that unforgiveness pre preoccupies our thoughts and memories. If we do not forgive another person for what they've said or done, we become prisoners to the past. Someone has well said that unforgiveness produces past memories that are like ghosts haunting our present. And what happens is it's like we rewind and replay and rewind and replay and rewind and replay what was said to us, what was done, done to us. It's like this recurring nightmare because we haven't forgiven that person. It just keeps coming back. And I want to say, friends, in the name of Jesus, we should not be defined by the power of our past. We should be defined by what God has done through His grace in Christ Jesus. May we be people today who say, Lord, I don't want to be defined by that thing. I didn't want it to happen and it hurt deeply. But Lord, I release that person. I forgive that person because I don't want to be a prisoner to the past any longer. Let me give you an example. Have you ever had a really bad photo taken of you? Have you ever had a bad photo taken? Now imagine for a moment if you had that photo and you blew it up and, and, then, and then you got it framed and you put it in the hallway of your house. Wouldn't that be ludicrous to do that? But many people do that with, with, with memories of their past. If you don't, don't forgive, it's like you frame what has happened to you and it's inside of your heart. To remember about the middle of last year, there was an app that, that, that came out of Russia. And in this app, you took a photo of yourself and it aged you 25 years. And you can look like how you were looking 25 years. Well, this is how I'm going to look in, in 25 years. That's me. And the worst thing about that photo is I look exactly like my grandfather. And uh, my wife said, hey, you need to start doing some work on your neck right now. But just, just imagine, wouldn't it be ludicrous if, if, if that was my promo shop where I was preaching, if, if that was inside of my office so that everyone who could come in could, 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 could see that photo? It would be crazy. And in the same way, that's what many people do if they do not forgive from the heart. It's like this recurring painful memory that, that is like a picture on the wall of their heart and all they can remember is that thing over and over again. But I want to say, friends, there is a big difference between painful memories and memories of pain. A big difference between painful memories and memories of pain. Now, as a leader, I've been hurt more times than I can recall, but I can hardly remember any of them. I don't consciously want to relive them or replay those things any longer. It's very unhealthy to do that. But there are times when perhaps there is a trigger or, or a memory and it brings that up. But it, now these days, it's a memory. I once had pain. It is not a painful memory. It's not like a photo that I keep looking at all, all, all of the time. For example, uh, most of my ministry until recently has been in the majority world. And I, I get to eat things I do not want to eat. You know, for you, grace is a religious prayer. To me, it is life and death. When I pray over that food, it's like, oh, God, if it's not dead, please kill it right now. And there's, there's a couple of times I've been really sick. Uh, in Ethiopia once, I had this meal. They've got big flat bread, and they've got little, little pieces of goat or lamb or something, and you eat that. And I ate it, and a couple of hours later, 
Oh, mama, it was a really bad day. I flew home like that, and for two weeks, I was sick in bed with this, uh, with this thing, and it took two weeks for, for them, them to discover it was this uh, unusual bacteria only found in uncooked food in the Horn of Africa. It took two, two weeks to discover what that thing was. Now, when, when I remember that, it is a memory that I was once sick, but I no longer feel sick. It is a memory that I once felt like that. In the same way, when you forgive people from the heart, and when you remember what happened to you, it'll be a memory of pain rather than a painful memory. Rather than just keep looking at that photo, and it just keeps regurgitating that stuff over and over again. I want to say to you, friends, tonight that Jesus is here to set you free from the paralysis of the past. He is here tonight in His grace to give you the power to be able to say, Lord, I didn't want it to happen, but I'm not going to be defined by that thing any longer. Lord, I want to take that photo and screw it up and throw it away because, Lord, I want to move on from that thing that has held me back year after year after year. This is only a recent message. And uh, late last year, I was preaching in Cairo to a group of pastors. And normally, I would not preach a message like this to pastors because you think that they would know this. But I had this really strong burden to preach this message. When I preached it, it was like a hand grenade. It just went exploded among this, this group of people. There was so much stuff that people had not, not been dealing with because it's a shame on a culture. And many people don't deal with things for the fear that they will, they will lose face. And it just brought all this stuff, stuff to, the, to, to, to the surface. And in the same way, I want to encourage you, deal with it because it can have a liberating effect inside of your life. Let me tell you a story. On the screen behind me will, 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 will be a picture of New York Central Park. And I read, read, read a story a number of years ago by a psychologist that was in uh, one of the major, major hospitals in, in that town. What happened was this. There was a lady who lived in one side of Central Park, and she worked on the other side of Central Park. One night she was working late and she decided to stay back and have some drinks with some friends at work. Then she needed to go home. Normally at night she would, she would walk around the park, but she'd never had a problem before, so she d decided to walk through the park as a faster way to, to, to get home. When she was almost at the other side of the park, a man crept up behind her, put his arm around her neck, dragged her behind a bush viciously, viciously raped her and then just beat her and beat her and beat her until he thought he had killed her and he ran away but she did not die and a few minutes later she she, she woke up and because of what he'd done to her he could she couldn't walk and so she she crawled over to the side of the road and she tried to flag some cars down but nobody stopped they thought she was drunk and then finally a car stopped and a man got out of the car. When he walked in front of the car, his headlights illumined his face. And she saw it was the same man who had just raped her. And he grabbed her and he took her again behind a bush and just beat her and beat her and beat her. Again, he said later, he had thought he had killed her, but he didn't. She, she went in, 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 into a coma. She was taken to the hospital where the, the psychologist who wrote the story was based. And a few weeks later, she woke from her coma and she made a remarkable recovery. 
And one day the psychologist went into her room to ask her the ultimate question. And he, he sat down beside her and he said, do you, do you ever believe that you'll be able to forgive the man who has done this to you? And her answer just blew him away. She said, I already have. She said, he took one night of my life and that's all he's going to get. He took one night of my life and that's all he's going to get. Now, I don't know if that lady was, was a Christian or not, but her attitude was so Christian. I didn't want that thing to happen, and what happened to me was horrific, but that is not going to define the rest of my life. I'm going to be someone who forgives him for what he has done to me because I don't want to be defined by that. And, you know, when I heard that story, it really impacted me because as a pastor, as a preacher, I meet so many people who just cannot let go of what happened to them in their past life. What, what that person did, what that person said, how they were, they were, they were, they were taken advantage of by that, that person over there. And, and tonight I believe that the whole purpose of this message, the reason that God put, put this message upon my heart, it may even be for one person here tonight. God does not want you to be a prisoner of the past. He wants you to be free to move on to a glorious future that He has planned for you. And you may say, but I can't do it on my own. But that's the great thing about God. By His Spirit, He can give you the grace. He can give you the power to let that thing go and to forgive that person for what they have done. And number four, the last one, because my plane is leaving soon. Fourthly, a fourth danger of unforgiveness is that, this is probably the worst of all, is that unforgiveness affects our relationship with God. Unforgiveness affects our relationship with God. And this, to me, is the most serious aspect of unforgiveness as Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. As I mentioned before, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, the Lord taught us to pray, Matthew 6, verse, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Sin in the Lord's Prayer is likened to a debt. And our sin is an unpayable debt to God. But thank God, Jesus paid the debt through his suffering and sacrifice upon the cross. And he now offers us full and free forgiveness if we come and turn from our sins and ask him to wash them all away. And this is the great news. And I want to underline this point because it's very important for where I'm heading. When God forgives our sin, he remits the penalty. He drops the charges against us. Our debt is cancelled. It is no longer held against us. We know as Christians that we are not getting what we deserve, not by any stretch of the imagination. If we were to gain a single glimpse of what it would look like if we got what we deserved, we would have waking nightmares for the rest of our life. But the good news of the gospel is that we did not get what we deserved. We were shown mercy. We were shown undeserved forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So when we sin, we immediately ask God to, to for, forgive us of our sin. As it says, and it'll be up here, 1, 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is really important. And can I encourage you tonight, and I don't mean to be browbeating or holier than thou here tonight. I'm speaking to me as well. Let's not be trivial about sin. Let, let us not, not be trivial about things that we know displease the Lord. But if you're aware of anything tonight between you and God, confess it and, and, and get that thing out of your life. So Jesus taught us to pray and forgive us our debts as we, we forgive our debtors. This is the only section of the Lord's Prayer that the Lord elaborated on. In verses 14 and 15, he went on to say, and these are the sobering words I was speaking about before. Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This, friends, is incredibly serious. And the implication is clear. If we forgive others, the Father will forgive us. But if we do not not forgive, if we refuse to forgive, then what it's saying there is that our, our forgiveness is hindered. And I would suggest that unforgiveness is the number one reason for unanswered prayer. In my experience, I would suggest that unforgiveness is the number one reason for unanswered prayer. Why then should we forgive others? If we don't forgive others for what they've, they've done to us, it means that we think the person doesn't deserve it. It means that we think what was done to us outweighs what we have done against God. And if that is the case, we need our eyes open to the enormous debt that we owed God. And once we comprehend what He has done for us who are undeserving, shouldn't we therefore show other people undeserving mercy also? Because the only way we can be fully and freely forgiven of all of our sins is to, get, is to forgive and to let that thing go. It is the disparity between the size of debts, which is the main point of the parable of the unmerciful servant. Uh, that parable is found in Matthew 18, verses 12 to, uh, to, to, to 35, an, an incredible story. And in that story, could you change the slide, please? Thank you. In, in that story, Jesus told the story about a master, uh, about a man who owed his master an enormous amount of money. And seeing that the servant couldn't pay, the master ordered that, that this man be sold and his whole family to repay the debt. But the servant fell at the master's feet and begged for mercy. And the master took pity upon him and forgave him his, his debt. And friends, we were like the man in the parable. We had no hope of ever repaying the debt that we owed to God. We were facing a lifetime of misery. But God in His grace sent Jesus His Son to freely and fully for, for, forgive us from all of our sins. He showed us mercy. Now the point of the parable of the unmerciful servant is that he received incredible mercy and so he should have shown mercy to others. But the story goes on to say that the servant who'd been forgiven of the debt walked outside and found someone who owed him a few dollars. So his debt for millions had been wiped, but he met someone who owed him a few, 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 few dollars. And this man pleaded for mercy, but the unmerciful servant had that man thrown into prison until he could re 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 repay the debt. But what is true 
of God's mercy towards us should also be true of our mercy towards others. No matter how great the sin against us or how many times it has occurred, we must forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. Do you remember the question that Peter asked that prompted Jesus to tell the parable of the immersive servant? Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? As many as seven times? No, said Jesus, as many as 70 times seven. In other words, as Christians, we are committed to forgiveness without limit. We are committed to forgive other people without keeping score, without saying, I'll forgive you this time, but never do it again. Nor are we to hold back until that person comes and says sorry. No, because please remember, friends, Jesus didn't wait for us to put our lives in order before he came to rescue us. In Romans 5 verse 8, it says, While we were still sinners, Christ came into the world. In the same way, friends, I want to encourage you today, whether that person ever says sorry or not, in your heart that you would say, Lord, as you have freely forgiven me of everything and anything, so I forgive these other people for what they have said and done to me as well. And remember the conclusion of, 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 of the parable also. When the master who had cleared the debt of millions heard what the unmerciful servant had done, he brought him in and had him tortured to re, 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 repay the debt. And have a look at this verse up here. At the, at the very end of the chapter, verse number 35 of, of Matthew 18, it says there that this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you, you, you forgive your brother from your heart. Now, I don't know about you, that is a scary verse. That unless we show the same mercy to others that God has shown to us, it's very scary. I'm almost there. We sometimes don't, don't forgive others because we feel like they aren't sorry or there has been no, no consequences. Sometimes we don't forgive others because we think they, they have got away with it and it's not fair. But can I just remind you tonight, in the sight of God Almighty, no one gets away with anything. No one gets away with anything. There is coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess and everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God. No one gets away with anything. And today you can forgive that person knowing it's in the hands of a just God. And unless that person asks, asks for, for, for forgiveness and mercy, they will answer for, for what they have done. So in this vein, Paul wrote, wrote to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 4, verse number 32, and said, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then, 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 then to the Colossians he wrote, he said, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And when you put those two verses together, the unmissable application for our life is that those who have been freely forgiven by God must forgive others. Even if it means the undeserving and the unworthy, we do it because Jesus has done it for us. And we are called upon to show the same grace. So wrapping it all up here, here tonight, if we are to truly live lives that glorify and honor God, then we must maintain a heart of forgiveness 
and grace. It means that we've got to have hearts that are free from offense and resentment and bitterness and, and unforgiveness. And what I've shown tonight is there, there are four major dangers if, if we do not forgive. And they're coming. They'd like to change the slide, please. Thank you. There are four main barriers if, if we do, do not forgive. The first one is this. It'll build up invisible barriers, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your school, whether it's in your family. It's just going to build barriers. That's not how God wants us to live. Number two, it'll produce bitterness inside of our heart. And I want to say, friends, God doesn't want us to be filled with poison, but to be filled with grace so that all that comes out of our life is grace. Thirdly, if we don't forgive, it'll, it'll obsess our thoughts, obsess our memories. It's like, it's like having a photo album in our heart or, or a video player in our heart just going over the same old stuff over and over again. I believe God wants to set people free in Jesus' name. But fourthly, if we do, do, do not not forgive, it's going to affect our relationship with God. And to me, that's the most sobering of all that we would walk with God with a purity of heart and we would forgive others as he freely, undeservedly, by his mercy in Jesus has forgiven us. I encourage you tonight to have a clean heart and a pure heart before him. Would you mind standing with me, please, as we just take a moment to pray? And as we're standing in the presence of God, just in a moment of, of quietness, and solitude. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to probe our hearts, search our hearts, and to show us anything and everything that may be a hindrance towards our relationship with Him. Maybe an attitude towards another person, maybe a resentment, perhaps stuff you don't even consciously think about any longer. He will make it known to you. And as he puts his finger upon that part of your life, just take some time, please, to pray that through in God's presence and forgive and ask the Lord to give you grace. And then I want to pray over you as I hand back to Pastor Shane tonight. We welcome your Holy Spirit among us, Lord. You know us better than we know ourselves. We can push stuff down in our life and not think about it. But Lord, we thank you that by your grace, you show us things that you want us to deal with. But before everything, Lord, we just want to say thank you for your grace in Christ Jesus. Thank you that when we were still in our sin and undeserving and unworthy, Lord, you died for us, that we could be free and know you. And as we have received mercy from you, help us to show mercy to others as well. Lord, give us the grace to have a life of forgiveness and grace towards anybody and everybody. 
And I pray tonight for people who really struggle with stuff that they've been through, maybe through a messy divorce or a bad experience. I pray that, Lord, that you would just give them the grace, the capacity to forgive and to move on so that we are not defined by our, by our past, but we are defined by your grace, your mercy in our lives. I pray your blessing over every person and may our hearts be clean and pure before you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.